Hey everyone, this is Jen Kesnick, and you are listening to UBU and I'll be me. And today I have my very good friend George Alvani on the podcast. Hey George. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. I appreciate it. So I got in touch with you because I saw that podcast that you did with your friend. Um, and I thought you did a great job. And I was like, hey, come on my podcast. And you guys were talking about Mark Manson's book, the first one. Which yep. was, what's it called again? The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Yep. Which um, I actually listened to on audio when I drove cross country with Mark a few years ago. And I was like, did you write this book, Mark? Because this sounds like your yeah. philosophy to life. And it basically, it doesn't mean don't care about anything. It means don't care about things that don't matter. Exactly. Yep. So this book that I have today is, I wouldn't call it the sequel, but it's his second book. Um, it has a lot of similarities with the first one. But the reason why I love Mark Manson so much, it, it's he's not, when you think about self-help, it's almost like the opposite. It's not like a save the world, you know, he, he doesn't really get into that, like think positive and your life will be better. Yeah. It's really about, um, you know, the line that he says in the first book, it's about the acceptance of a negative experience is a positive experience. Yeah. And Every experience is a positive experience. Right. No it's matter re- what. So the rejection of a negative experience um, you're, you're denying yourself of, you know, lessons that you can take from that. Mm-hmm. And so like, that's, that was his big theme in the first book. But this second book is really, I would say it's about emotional intelligence in a way. And this one's um, called everything is fucked. Everything is fucked. Um, <laughs> a, book about a book about hope. hope yeah. <laughs> so, um, a lot of paradoxes, which I think is interesting. Um, but there's a lot of takeaways that I'd love to get into and I'm happy to be here. So yeah, thank you. Yeah. Let's do it. Um, so I think the first thing that really stood out to me, um, you know, when you're thinking about emotional intelligence, I think he starts with something called the classic assumption. Mm -hmm. So he starts with, um, a hypothetical example of a man who goes completely off the handle, loses his job, loses his family, um, you know, becomes a, an, an addict and clearly out of control, no self-control over his emotions. Um, and so, he continues the hypothetical example. Okay, what if you were to take this man into um, to go into surgery and have his do something with his brain where those impulsive, like his nature, he just couldn't control himself. What what if you were to take that out of his brain? What if he just became um, emotionless in a sense? Mm-hmm. And so Mark Manson calls this the classic assumption of you know, we, there's kind of a stigma of being too emotional, mm-hmm. someone who's out of control. Um, emotions aren't, you know, they don't, they cloud your judgment Yeah. when in actuality they, they drive everything that we do. Right. Um, so he gets into another example with that, but continuing the analogy. So he, he comes out of the surgery and you would think he'd get his life together. Um, you know, cause those, imp- that side of him is, is dead essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this is actually based off of a real, surgery that they did I'll have to look it up yeah. but um for the sake of the the book he I think he uses a hypothetical name so he comes out of the surgery and um his life turns equally to shit because he has no emotions he has no drive uh, you know he he goes to work he does everything but he has no just flat passion and like he he misses deadlines and um he gets more into detail with the book but basically the classic assumption is that Emotions are not there to help you, mm-hmm. but it's really the opposite. It's emotions drive everything that we do. Right. And so he continues that analogy after he tells the story of this man. Um, he basically says that when you think about your brain, he calls it your thinking brain and your feeling brain. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Is that kind of left right? Exactly. Yeah. It's the same same type of thing. Um, you know, you would think that if you conceptualize your brain as a car, so in the in the passenger seat, you would think the emotional side or the feeling brain that he calls it. Well, that's what our society has told us is it's the Correct. passenger. Hundred percent. So yeah. that's the right. So the the classic assumption is what he says is that emotions are is kind of that ne- that annoying um, negative. Uh, passenger mm-hmm. that is kind of nudging you like, oh, I feel like shit today. I'm tired. You're stupid. Mm-hmm. He's stupid. Um, as the passenger and the logic, the thinking brain, as he calls it, is driving the car. Yeah. Um, making all the decisions, being rational. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really the opposite, which really, um, I think this is the the main takeaway that I took from the entire book. I've, I've finished about half of it so far. Um, it's really that your think, your feeling brain, excuse me, is driving the car. Yeah. We do everything in our life because we want to feel good about ourselves. We yeah. want people that we care about to feel good. And the and, and it's the thinking brain that's the, the passenger that's holding the map. Interesting. So that's that was the main um, analogy. He uses a lot of them, and I think that really stood out to me. Um, but I think another thing that he gets into before he goes into really talking about emotional intelligence, mm-hmm. and I think this one really applies to the title, um, and I love his writing style because he doesn't really like when you're reading this. It's almost like you're having a conversation. Yeah. It's not like a, a, cl- a, a clinical. A text. Yeah. Right. It's very. Um, you know, I think he uses humor in a way. Uh, you know, he doesn't really take himself too seriously, yeah. and um, which I really love. And um, he calls something the uncomfortable truth, and that. Um, you know, this whole book is really about emotional intelligence, but I think if he could. S- his one message that he wants to get across, he says, if, if I could say anything to this reader, it would be the inc- uncomfortable truth of life, which he calls it. It's that in reality, no one cares. Okay? <laughs> so like, it's really kind of depressing. Like he calls this a book about hope, but, um, you know, the, the majority of what we do in our life will be insignificant in the grand scape, sure. grand scope of things. But and we spend so much time worrying about what everybody else right. is thinking about what we're doing, exactly. and they're not. So <laughs> another analogy that he uses is um, if he were to work at, at Starbucks, instead of writing your name, Jen Kesnick, mm-hmm. he would write an, a paragraph I'll have to find in the book, but it's really funny. He was like, you know, nothing in your life will matter. <laughs> Enjoy your fucking latte, $6 latte. <laughs> Um, which I thought was really funny. It's one of the first examples that he uses in the book, but it's really true. Like at the end of the day, no one cares. And I think that's a freeing thing. You know, I think everyone's caught up in their own thing. Um, that's the beauty of maturity is that the older you get, the more you realize that even if somebody does care, they don't really care. They just think they care. Exactly right. (laughs) And so everyone has their own responsibilities in their life and no one's thinking about you as much as you're thinking about yourself. Of course. Because um, we all have things that we're all trying to figure figure ourselves out, let, let alone try to figure other people out. You yeah, know? and that's forever. And that's... it's freeing. It's a, it's a paradox in a way. You know, no one cares. It should be liberating and shouldn't be debilitating. Right. Um, so he starts with that funny example with the coffee. And I think in our society today, I think social media is great. Um, it's part of what I've done you know, with my job that I had over the past year. and Yeah, so tell, tell me about your job that you've had. Sure. So I was, a, um, I was a GA for Georgetown Athletics, so I went there for undergrad, and so I'm in grad school right now. At Georgetown? I'm doing sports management, yep. Cool. Um, so it was a great experience being a GA. Um, I did a lot of digital media for the athletic department, but you really got to have experience in 
really what goes into you know sports. There's so many different departments. It, it, beyond the surface level of what you see on the field, there's so many different things yeah. that go into it. Um, I know it's interesting because you think like. If I worked for Georgetown basketball, I could just be a coach. But there's a million different things. Right. There's communications, ops, ticketing. Like, and I've I've met a lot of incredible people through that department. Really appreciate how much goes into, you know, what uh, you know everything that goes into an athletic program such as Georgetown. So. And you made all those movies that you have on your Instagram. Yeah. So I I did a lot of digital media for them, but the internship it was you dealt with all those different departments. But I really enjoyed the the marketing and digital creative content side, yeah, really cool. getting into like the storytelling of the team, so yeah. to speak. Well, that's the, you know, like when you watch the Olympics and they give you the backstory on, mm-hmm. you know, the guy that's competing where you're like, I don't really care about bobsledding, but that story was amazing and now I want to watch it. Right, exactly. Um, so it's really capturing, you know, that storytelling of a team in a way, um, really engaging that fan base. And I think it it's really pertinent to what's going on now. Like, you know, if there's no live fans, how do you keep those fans engaged? So it's a real challenge. So, um, a lot of teams have pivoted to the digital space and it's going to continue to grow. Um, so it's been great experience, but anyway, so with the social media thing, I think it's a great tool. A lot of people think, you know, there's obviously pros and cons to it. Um, but I think it's really conditioned us in a way to be kind of comparative with Mm -hmm. how we live our life from a sports example. Wow. That, that team account is so much better. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this person's living such a cool life, but it really conditions you in a way to be comparative in that it forces you to think, wow, I'm the best or I'm the worst. Yeah. Um, and Mark Manson in this book is saying that's kind of a, a narcissistic way to live your life because either way you're separating yourself from the world. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're, if you're the best, you think you're better than everyone, but if you're the worst, oh, everyone else is better than me. Either way, you're kind of separating yourself from the world. I'm special. Yeah. But Mark Manson's like, the, again, the opposite of self-help. You are not special. Right. Get over it. Right. You know, and he says it in a funny way. Yeah. It's not like a self-help, like, oh, think positive, believe it into existence. Right. All that stuff is bullshit, you know? Fake it till you make it is not true. <laughs> it, I, well, that's, a, that's an interesting thing. Like, I think the fake it till you make it, um, it's almost like... It's helpful in a way. The reason why I love your podcast is you be you and you and I'll be me. It's really about authentic authenticity. Yeah. You can tell if someone's bullshitting or not. Totally. And I've done yeah. a few podcasts with people who are full of shit. Right. And, and you can hear it. Right. And so <laughs> some people have higher bullshit barometers than others. Um, and I, I, you know, when you think about a, someone who has really good bullshit detector, I think of has immediately yeah you know he's one of the fir- first people that come, totally. comes to mind um i just picture him with like a cigarette like <laughs> you're full of shit yeah. <laughs> that's Pretty much. What, that's the 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 image that i think of but um, that's what's so amazing like mark has always been what you see is what you get from the time i met him when he was you mm-hmm. know 15 years old smoking that red like what's up you know exactly <laughs> exactly yeah. the same yeah um, but Not to I, yeah. mean he hasn't grown, but right. Like. So the reason why I lo- like I get your title, you be you and I'll be me. I think um, it's so true that you know authenticity. It's it's your highest power. It's your highest value. If yeah. you're if you're living your true self, I think that's where you're going to be the most effective. It's not you know, trying to be something that you're not. And I think that takes time, you know, trying to, and I think we all are all in the process of that. Absolutely. Um, it's, it's like a lifelong thing. I think, you right. know, like you can know it and you can intellectually understand it, but just not emotionally feel it. If you're still worried about, you know, whatever. Yeah. With that being said, this book, 
about emotional intelligence. It's not like, okay, I read this book and you're all of a sudden this mature person who has everything figured out. I think experience is the greatest teacher. It's not like you can't, you can't read a book about, you know, doing push-ups. You have to do the push-ups. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know what I'm saying? So, um, again, I think... You just have to yeah. be brave enough to put right. yourself out there and vulnerable enough to say, this is who I really am. Do you still like me? Exactly. Um, and I think the analogy that you, like the, the imagery they use with the, with the logo mm-hmm. was interesting. If you want to talk about that, like yeah. the, with the tree and how did, how that kind of ties so, into. Um, always love the, uh, Kwanzaa cherry tree and, um, cherry blossom season is a favorite season of mine and a million other people, a gajillion other people. But, um, I always really loved it. I even got a cherry blossom tattoo on my foot. Really? <laughs> and Mark called me one day when I was in California and he was in Geneva and he said, uh, what are you doing today? And I said, I'm driving to Ventura. He's like, what are you doing in Ventura? I'm like, I'm going to get a tattoo. He was like, I'm sorry, what? I'm going to get a tattoo. I'm like it's not a spider web on my neck or anything. It's just a flower on my foot. But, um, it is, the symbol that means life is beautiful but fleeting because the cherry blossom doesn't last long. It's beautiful while it's here and then it's over and you have nothing but your memory of that beautiful time. So, you know, like seize the day, enjoy those moments when they come because in between are difficult times Mm -hmm. that make you appreciate the beautiful ones. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely true. And I, th- I think, you know, telling that story of that example, another thing that Mark Manson, get, Mark Manson gets into um, is that these stories that we tell ourselves really shape our reality. It's yeah. like, you know, starting with, you know, your childhood and, you know, it can, you can really get set back by these narratives that you tell yourself. Because um, everyone's lens is completely different. Right, exactly. Um, but I think... You know, he says, you know, two ways you can approach, you can retell those stories after getting that that experience. And again, like you said, with the with the tree example, right? It's having that perspective of like, wow, life is beautiful, but life is short. Mm-hmm. Um, it's either retelling those stories, trying to make sense of them. Um, we we do that all the time, or telling new ones. So the fake it till you make it. That's so interesting to me because in the past, when I, when I wasn't as confident, yeah. Um, you know, if you fake it till you make it, it almost helps you to, totally. to really you're you know, acting a try, part. try new things. But you're playing a part. At, at the end of the day, you're um, until you become that. So yeah. in a way, so it's either, you know, retelling those stories or telling new ones. And I think I think in my opinion, that's more powerful, you know, because when you walk into that day, first day on the job, I mean, it's obviously it's always OK to say, I'm not I don't know. Can you show me? Right. But like, for example, the first yoga class I ever taught. There was a girl who was standing in front of me, um, front and center, that her practice was way more uh, experienced than mine was at the time. It was my very first class. And I was like, oh, I'm totally fraudulent. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. This girl obviously knows more than me. And what am I doing? Who am I pretending to be? Mm -hmm. Because that was my very first class. And then I realized that, you know, just because she has a certain practice doesn't mean my practice isn't valuable. Exactly. Yeah. And I think uh, it's it's interesting. Again, Mark Manson uses paradoxes all the time, starting with that first example of, you know, accepting that negative experience. Like, man, I feel shitty today, don't I? But who who gives a fuck? Like, mm-hmm. I'm, I got to still do my work today. Um, but it's really about, you know, the again, fake it till you make it. So, what would a valuable person do in that situation? How do you get better? Um, what would what would your future self 
what would you want them to do and then do it. That's kind of fake it to you, make it in okay. a way, which has helped me. Yeah, I like that. But I think in a way you can't bullshit others into thinking that, oh, I'm the greatest. No one, no one wants to work with, you know, someone who thinks they know all know the answers. All. No one knows all the answers. Right. Um, so it, it, in a paradox, in a way, you, you'd want to work for someone or work with someone that is like, you know, I'm, I'm doing the best I can. You know, I, I don't, I'm not sure. Let me ask about this instead of like try, pretending to know everything. Yeah, exactly. You know, you're, you're more, oh, this person's not full of shit, you know? Yeah. So I think that's really helped me. Um, in terms of, the, again, the fake it till you make it, um, I think there's a duality to it. So, like, you staying true to yourself but also striving to be better. You know, fake yeah. it till, like, what would your your superhero version of yourself, what would that person do? And you follow Gary Vaynerchuk? I do. And he's a yep. big, like, do not fake it till you make it. But I totally agree with you that there is a level of you're not being fake, you're just trying to get yeah, it's just an ex- it's an expression I think that's a really interesting one. I'm glad you brought it up, but I'm glad you brought up Gary too because he has such an interesting story, um, and uh, he has a lot of great stuff that he puts out. And um, I think Gary's big on, and Mark Manson touches on this too. There's a big overlap with how they think about the world. Um, you know, in terms of giving, he's all about you know compassion and empathy mm-hmm. it's one of his biggest things yep. and self awareness yes. you know building that you can't read knowing it, what you what skills you have and what skills self-awareness. you do not possess self awareness yep. exactly um, the most important thing in the world right now 100% and um, again you can't read everything is fucked and suddenly have self awareness you build that through experience um, but and what, by being completely honest with yourself yeah um, again not faking it and um I think that what Gary, a main thing that Gary harps on is, um, you know, giving without expectation, you know, having no expectations of others. Again, the example that we talked about, again, people are inherently selfish. Um, you know, they have their thing, own things in their life. If you give without expectation, you're free and totally you're treating right. others the way that you want to be treated. And it doesn't matter how they treat you. Right. Exactly. Because you can't, you know, you're, you're acting out of a, a pure place. You're not, I'm not looking anything from you from anything from you. Um, and I, Mark Manson, that's a huge example that he uses. You can't see the world as transactional yeah. or bargaining your values. Just because you would do something for someone doesn't mean that they have to do it for right. you. Right, and so that's that's a form of entitlement in a way. Yeah. If I'm nice to you, and I think that I've struggled with in the past, if I'm nice to a person, if I really you know like a person, I'm not entitled to be um, liked or respected in the same way, mm-hmm. or you know, you kind of have to build that resilience of like, um, you know, have, setting your pride aside, like, oh, I don't want to be walked over in terms of, like, kind of, especially in the workplace, you know, yeah. starting as a GA intern, you mm-hmm. know, you're, you're really kind of at the bottom of the totem pole and having right. that humility of, like, you got to do whatever it takes to help the department. You can't have an ego in a way. Yeah. And um, even in your friendships and relationships, you know, yeah, like, 100%. just because, you know, like, sometimes, like, one of the kids would be, like, so-and-so didn't invite me and I had them last week to my house. Yeah. Like, well. And that, that gets dicey, I think, especially, you know, when you're younger, but, um, you know, I think it's ultimately about trusting your gut in a way, intuition, again, the thinking and feeling brain. It's not, you know, you can't think through everything. You have yeah. to have that emotional intelligence and, um, understanding that no one owes you shit. Right. And also Nobody. feel that pain and think twice before you go out of your way right. for that person. But at the same time, you don't know, you don't, you don't owe anyone anything at no. the same time. Yeah. Right. So I think, um, relying on that, you know, 
on that gut and you only build that through experience and really trusting yourself. Um, and that really comes down to what, what this podcast is all about. It's, it's recognizing people through no going through different journeys and, um, kind of staying true to themselves. But with, with Gary, it's, it's giving without expectation. That's your greatest power. Um, you know, not seeing the world as transactional or bargaining. Okay. If I'm, if I'm nice, someone can do a nice thing for me, but you're, you're really, what are you doing that for? Yeah. You're not doing it then for... Then you're doing it for a bad reason. If so, Okay, so if you value honesty, are you being honest because you want people to think you're a good person or are you honest because you, you value honesty in itself? Yes. That's the difference. Um, and so Mark Manson really gets into that in this book and um, it's all about finding that balance. That's amazing. Yeah. I can't wait to read this. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a great book and... Um, I'm, I'm skipping through different parts of it right now, but the beginning is awesome because he really, he starts with those main analogies and, um, he writes in a way that it, again, he doesn't really take himself too seriously, but he's um, entertaining. He's entertaining and, and he's teaching you something. And, and, he, and he talks to you like a, a, per, a person is not like it, it's a clinical, you know, yeah. um, psychologist or anything. And I think the first book that again, he gets a lot more personal, but this one, um, is, is, has been really interesting. So, everything's um, yeah, fucked. everything really is fucked. And on your friend's podcast, you guys talked about Jocko, right? Yes. So he actually touches on Jocko. Um, Jocko Willink for Jocko people who Willink. Don't know. Yep. Jocko Willink is a Navy SEAL, um, and he's he's one of the most interesting people that um, I've ever come across. I follow him on social media and. Um, a couple of my buddies from school actually uh, I was first introduced to him by a couple of friends from school and um, you know there's this video called good yeah. and um, it's such a great video too. yeah and so we like we were funny enough we were like we put it on like during like a, like we we're just hanging out and like we put it on and um, we were almost like laughing because of how absurd it was yeah. like sprained your ankle good yeah. like lost your job good gumped up by your girf- girlfriend good yeah. like it's like it makes no sense in a way but it really, he's forcing you to kind of radically turn every negative or anything that happens really into an advantage. Yeah. Thinking militarily, tactically, like mm-hmm. how can you, how can you advance from this point? Um, cause in, in war, you know, it's a, the most extreme example. You don't have time to worry about. You can't plan anything either. You know, like you don't know what's pl- going to happen. Yeah, pl- can... Planning is a big part of it. Yeah. I mean, I, when you think about war and I think. But his, you have to pivot. Yeah. Dime. Yeah. And so his book, Discipline Equals Freedom, um, you know, I think. It's 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 a little I've read bits and pieces, but I think it's a little extreme with the military examples. But really, yeah. when you get down to the core of what he's talking about, um, it's really you don't have time in in a war setting. You don't have time to worry about what happened in the past. You got to be thinking about you know the future. You got to right. always be looking ahead. So the way he lives his life literally is, um, you know, even after his time serving in the military, he continues to wake up at 4.30 in the morning because he thinks his enemy is outworking him and mm-hmm. he genuinely believes that and that's a story that he tells himself and it's a crazy way to, to live your life yeah um but again but he, it gets him motivated and you see that watch at 4.30 in the yeah, morning yeah that's the first thing that I see in the morning and um because <laughs> he know, takes an Instagram picture of his whoops. watch that says uh 4.30 a.m when he gets up to work out yep and um every day he also has an, a really good podcast as well touches on a lot of different topics and he's again a really intense guy but um yeah and war story lovers would yeah. really love his podcasts yep um because it's a lot of battle stuff which i like i enjoy i think growing up as an only child with a dad who was obsessed with 
war. Um, I watched every war movie mm-hmm. known to man at the time. And um, so I enjoy that. But I also love him on other people's podcasts like Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan, he yeah. was just on it this last week. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, Super long. It was like three hours. It was but, like three yeah. hours long, yeah. But I like this format way better than news um, because you get to really understand who the person is that you're talking to. It's not a two-minute soundbite. Exactly. It's a three-hour-long conversation. In the world that we live in, in in the Twitters, and, you know, it's great. I get a lot of my news through social media. Yeah. Um, But, again, a lot of things can be taken out of context, and I think, you know, working in digital media for the past year um, and kind of recognizing those trends and doing research, I think long-form projects are really trending because people are wanting that context more. Yeah. Um, you know, whether it's a podcast or a documentary, you know, with the last dance ESPN, um, you know, you were constantly exposed to these quick hitting, whether it be, you know, videos, again, sound bites, mm-hmm. it becomes exhausting in a way. And people are really kind of seeking for that refreshing, um, you know, long form piece. You really get the full picture. Yeah, I agree. And so that, I think you can see that trending in the future and, um, it's, it's just very challenging in the world right now with, um, you know, all this, you know, that's why I wish that we had better candidates to choose from, um, because neither one understands what we're talking about right now. Yeah. And Mark Manson jokes, there's, you know, there's a lot of grown ass children in the world. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, again, social media touching back on it. I think it's great that everyone has a voice, but again, you know, recognizing that everyone has a voice not everyone is as informed as others right um, and, but everyone has this opportunity to be heard so they just want their voice out there no matter what they're saying right exactly um and so again it's really an example that we talked about in class actually last semester um our professor was saying that the average attention span of a millennial so i guess i'm on the kind of tail end of the millennials mm-hmm. um the average attention span is around 10 seconds. And, <laughs> and on to the next thing. And so the Gen Z coming up, the average attention span is three. Oh, shit. Um, so <laughs> I think that's kind of reflected in, you know, through social media, like TikTok, three seconds, like yeah. very extremely quick. And at the same time, we, the, you know, those kids are growing up with a device in their hand. Yeah. And so I think they've been, you know, conditioned to kind of being exposed to so much information. Mm-hmm. What do I know to pay attention to? Again, subtle art of not giving a fuck. What, right. do, what do I value? What do I, what do I prioritize within um, you know, having so much stuff at our fingertips? It's, yeah. it's overwhelming. Mm-hmm. But I think the younger generation is a little bit more skilled at that because, again, their bullshit barometer is much higher than ours. Yeah. Because you're exposed to so much. All right, what, what seems authentic? What doesn't? Mm-hmm. And so we make these judgments on a second-to-second basis, wow. which is extremely challenging, you know, given, um, you know, the nature of social media, like what, what's true, what's not. Um, it's really, it's a really challenging time. It is. Yeah. And it's like you said, if you know, if you are armed with this information that, you know, no, um, what you call it, what, you, what did we just say before? My mind is gone. No expectations, no disappointments. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Um, if you're armed with all of this don't give a fuck, all these things, like, then you can navigate social media without having any psychological damage done to you. There's another side of that coin, though, too, right? So having no expectations, it doesn't mean, you know, sitting on your couch eating ice cream all day, you can choose to do that if you want to. Right. But there's consequences. Exactly right. And, um, you know, I think it's healthy to have expectations of yourself. Yes. 
um, not in a diluted way, but setting goals for yourself. Um, I think that's healthy, but having expectations of others, feeling that people owe you things, I don't think it's a healthy way to live your life. You know, yeah. oh, like I think I was talking about this with my buddy the other day. I think the real definition, what do I know in my 23 years of life? But <laughs> I think, um, you know, well, the, the purest form of, a lot, yeah, George. <laughs> the purest form of friendship, I think is like, it's not expecting anything from that person. It's, um, you know, when you, when you see the person it's you pick up, you pick up where you left off. Yeah. It's not like, oh, like he hasn't called me in a while. Like I'm going to stop talking to him. Yeah. Like it's, That's you know, childish. So, some of my best friends, you know, going back all the way, you know, from when I grew up, you know, we're still close to that day because that bond is unquestioned. Yeah. Um, you know, I think if you have to question something, it's not really real. Well, especially when you yeah. become an adult and you have real life shit to worry about. You don't about. have time for that shit, man. No. Yeah. So like when you see yeah. that person, you pick up where you left off and you have a great time and then you might not see him again for a year. Yeah. And it's such a great feeling too, because yeah. you both have that understanding like, and it's awesome. Yeah. And you both have a few drinks and it's great. Yeah. Um, and it's not, and you can, I mean, you can think of a few examples off the top of your head of, you know, examples like that. Um, and I think that's really special when you find that it's not, um, that's what makes friendship so special. And, um, again, you know, going back to that, well, I, yeah. I say all the time, friends are for fun because life is hard. You know, your family life is not always easy. You know, just it's it's difficult to navigate all of this. And so when you get to have friend time, it should just be fun. Yeah. <laughs> no one has time for the bullshit, man. No. Yep. But it, it's great, though. Um, and um, again, it's, it's about finding that balance in life. Um, you know, your life can't be fun 24-7 all the time. Mark yep. Manson talks about that. A thing that I struggle with, um, you know, my mom was talking about, it's finding balance in life. I think it's a, a struggle that we all deal with. And sure. how do I balance work with family, with personal time development, with friends, with, you know, hobbies? Yeah. Um, I think that's a, a things that, you know, it's a lifelong journey, really. Um, really you get fit. your work done. And then if you're lucky, you have time to do something fun for yourself. <laughs> yeah. And you reward yourself for it. Joe Rogan talks about that on his podcast. Like if I, if I'm just sitting by the pool all day, that's great and all. But, you know, there's something in, I haven't earned it, you know? Well, you have in, in yoga, the last pose is Shavasana, which is mm -hmm. corpse pose, and you lay there. And if, unless you do the practice before that, it's you're just same. laying down on it's the not ground. The, it's not the same. <laughs> no, it's not. Especially if you're doing hot yoga, it's a little yeah. different. But, um, yeah, I think there's something to be said if you, you know, if you're doing hard things in your life, um, you know, I think... You know, Timmy Coggin, you, you know, you, you got to sweat every day. You got to do something hard every day. Shout out Coggy. Shout out Coggy's right. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's something I try to do in my life. Like you have to push yourself every single day. Yeah. And so I think sitting by the pool becomes, hard, a, play hard. becomes a lot easier um, after you get a hard workout in or if you yeah. do something you don't feel like doing yeah. or, you know, um, you know, I have a list in my phone of all the shit that I have to do and, you know, checking those things off the list feels good. And yeah. Um, I also yeah, it like helps. it when things are a little bit difficult. Like if I'm going to go to an exercise class that's super hard, I'm a little scared and I like that feeling. Because you're ready. And yeah. I think, um, you know, if you're not challenged, you're not growing. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, you know, a, a worthwhile thing should be hard in a way, um, you know, whether it's a workout or, you know, a personal challenge or a class that you're taking or whatever the case if may be. If everything was easy, then you can't be like, you can't make yourself proud. Yeah. I heard someone say that, you know, every level in life, it requires a different version of yourself. Yeah. And, um, Mark Manson talks about in this book, you almost have to, again, not fake it till you make it, but 
almost like a psychological switch that you can do. Like all the great, the great athletes, when you think about sports, um, you know, Kobe Bryant with the Mamba mentality yeah. and the Black Mamba, yeah. he, as, as soon as he stepped on the court, he was a different person. Yeah. Outside of all anything going on in his personal life, he was out there to like for blood. He was right. out there to kill you. I'm going to step on your throat now. Yeah. And I think you have to kind of... If that you want to be that level, that's what you have to do. Channel that in your life. Like in your work, you have to really, again, it's challenging finding the balance of taking yourself you know, not taking yourself too seriously, which I it's probably it's probably one of my favorite qualities in a person. Mm-hmm. Being able to laugh at yourself is really cool. That's number one. But I at think. the same time, you don't want to be a joke. You know, you got to yeah. take your work seriously. Yeah. And so finding that balance, and I think it's a it's a David Goggins, another one of my favorites. Oh, me um, too. Love. Um, he talks about this all the time, mm-hmm. like channeling that villain in a way. You're yeah. not being a bad person, but you kind of tapping into the darker that dark side. He has a another great book. So his book is can't hurt me. Um, you've recommended book. it, yeah. but he, um, and I recommend the audio book just yeah. because there's, there's extra so stuff. much extra stuff. I'll look into that. Um, but, uh, yeah, he went through horrific things in his life. So he, he, again, he has a military background as well. Uh, his book is can't hurt me. It's called can't hurt me. He has an excellent podcast with Joe Rogan. So that's how I first kind of yeah. discovered him. Uh-huh. Um, but he has gone through unspeakable things in his life and, um, you know, growing up as a black kid in, in Indiana and, you know, dealing with the racism and, you know, his family trauma and father and and he, you know, so basically the background with him is, uh, again, his name is David Goggins. And, um, you know, he grew up to be, and Mark Manson talks, touches on this a lot too, how much our childhood shit that we go through kind of can, if you let it can, can manifest itself. So he grew up to be kind of this 300 pound overweight guy sprang for, for cockroaches and, um, you know, was super depressed and, um, you know, there, there was this moment that clicked for him that, you know, I'm not going to live like this anymore. Yeah. And he, you know, ch- you know, drastically changed his life, you know, obviously fa- failures along the way, but he became one of the, arguably one of the, like the toughest, as he would say, motherfuckers on the planet. Yeah. Stay hard, motherfucker. Yeah. And, um, Again, someone with an incredible story. And so he talks about that all the time, like channeling, you know, you almost have to create an alter ego for yourself. Like, okay, I'm going to become whatever. I got to put this hat on now. I'm going to put, I'm going to put it to get my stuff done. Yeah. uh, So I can sit by the pool, Mm -hmm. you know? So I think that's a kind of a psychological trick that's really helped me. Um, Again, not like faking it, but kind of tricking yourself into... Um, getting yourself into a different zone. I got to bring this version of me right. out now. You can't be fun in games all the time. Right. Um, and again, it's... There's fi- a time and a place yeah. for everything. Yeah, and it's finding that balance, and um, especially at a, t- a time like right now, um, you know, kind of reading the room, and, you know, once everything happened, um, you know, kind of, you know, a- a- again, having that self-awareness um, in terms of your perspective is not someone else's. So if, if I'm a privileged individual doesn't separate me from the issue right it's yeah. it's more so it's on me to learn and um to really be receptive and how can I play a part how can I make a difference you know how can I do things in real life rather than just post on social media about it like yeah. it posting on social media is great you yes. know resources sharing things spreading awareness that's great but you don't want that's, it to be performative right that's you know, part of it that's not it's part it. of it and um you know you're you know, you're donating, you're signing petitions, you're having those hard conversations and reaching out to people. And, um, I think those two things together are good. And I think, you know, the big mistake that I've seen is, um, you know, oh, this doesn't apply to me. Yeah. 
it, it applies to everybody, right? Um, whether you think it or not. Or not. And mm-hmm. I think that statement, it doesn't apply to me. Separating yourself from the issue is the issue in itself. Yeah. Um, when you think about racism and, and injustice, um, you know, I think you really have to, again, be real with yourself in that way, like building that awareness and, um, you know, how can I make a difference? I think that um, Kelly's life was changed when she went to uh, Savannah College of Art and Design because she's living in the South. She's going to school in the South. She's babysitting for um, an interracial family. And she sees like, wow, she's working in a restaurant, you know, with all these black people who she said, you know, they feel it every single minute of the day. And she saw it firsthand for the first time because she comes from Long Island here in the East End where there's not a big black community in our town. And she became really like, I don't want to say radical, but like just completely understood and empathized. And now she is, you know, Black Lives Matters and doing everything she can to spread awareness. And she said she gets a lot of pushback from people that she grew up with or whatever. Just like relax, like you don't have to be so militant. And she said, I had a really frustrating on both of our ends conversation with a friend of hers that she grew up with. She was like, but in the end, we had a conversation and it was great. Yeah. Even if I didn't change anybody else's mind and nobody changed my mind, we're talking. Right. And I think it's going about things in the right way, too. It's not like, you know, being combative, the word that you it's it, that's not going to help anyone. No. It's about... Well, because essentially, yeah. you know what? No one wants to be told what to do and what to think. Mm-hmm. We Nobody, want yeah. to think and do what we want to think and do. It's a paradox, right? I think, you know, when you think about mindfulness, and this is what I spoke about with my friend on the podcast I did before, um, you know, you gain more control by giving up control. And I think that applies to yoga in a way, like going like, okay, you know, finding that balance in that pose, um, you know, Stop realizing, resisting right. And accepting. exactly, exactly right. And the less control, the more control that you try to have, um, it's a paradox yeah. because the less control that you have. Yeah. I used to say all the time, like you can, you can make a fist as tight as you can, but you can't hold water unless you open it up and yeah, you know, like make a cup. And it applies to relationships and anything in your life, really. If you're white knuckle it. If you're trying to convince someone to love you, is that love? No, no it's not. That just feels horrible. Right. If you're trying to convince your some your boss that you should get that promotion, you know, it's you know you're not really confident in yourself. Your work should speak for itself. Yeah. Um, so it, again, that example kind of applies through through a lot of different uh, areas in life, and you know, the less control that you have. And kind of having that humility, wow, I'm not the center of the universe, yeah. you know, and it can feel that way because we experience everything through our everything through our own lens and through social media, um, you know, kind of thinking the world revolves around you, but really doesn't. No. Like you got to realize that people have different stories to tell. And I think social media is a great tool and I love it. Um, and uh, you can you can share things and connect with people that you wouldn't otherwise be able to connect with. Exactly. But again, having the compassion of... Um, you know, realizing where a person's coming from. It's not just, um, you know, there's a lot, there's a deeper story behind the picture that you see, you yeah. know? So I think that's definitely powerful, you know, realizing that everyone has their own story in Absolutely. a way. And everyone's story is worth listening to and hearing. Yeah. And it's interesting because, um, you know, one of the favorite accounts that I follow is uh, Humans of New York. Yes. Love that. Yeah. And so the, like those, 
anecdotes and, you know, people walk around the city, you know, I think about it all the time. If I'm on the, on the subway, you know, someone next to me, you know, has a, a life that, yeah. you know, where are you going after this? Yeah. It's <laughs> like, it's crazy to think about. Um, and, uh, it's, it's interesting cause it's called your Instagram story. It's called your Snapchat story. Yeah. And so we kind of, that, that's how we narrate our experience through these stories. Through and, story. and, um, um, you know, I think that's what makes Mark, Man- Mark Manson's writing so effective is he doesn't just tell you, do this, this, and this, and your life will be better. He tells a story or an analogy and it hooks you in and he conveys the message in that way. It's not like, um, you know, he thinks he knows all the answers. He kind of, the, 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 the first book, the cell order, not giving a fuck, he gets, he gets a lot more, uh, personal, but, um, that, that's really how we kind of, um, make sense of everything through stories, you yeah. know, good, bad. And that's I think that's how I learn and listen. You know, I, I can't, yeah. um, I'm just like a storyteller and I like to hear stories and that's how I learn something. That's how I retain it. Mm-hmm. Right. And so like what I've, what I've done the past year, you know, doing the digital media, it's not like, uh, if I'm doing a video for men's soccer, um, it's not like, um, how many cool effects can I put in this video? Look at me, look at what all the things that I can do. It's how well can you tell the story? Yeah of that team, of that athlete, of that coach. Um, so I think now more than ever, you know, people's stories need to be heard. And I think social media is a, an, a great tool to, to share that. Yeah. And it's only going to grow. There's this book called The Four Agreements that I highly the recommend. Four, what's it called? The Four Agreements. Four Agreements. And one of the agreements is be impeccable with your word. Like that's one of the most important things you can do. And in this society that we're living in with these clickbait and these headlines that have nothing to do with the body of the story. They just want someone to share it without reading it. You know, everyone moving forward, you have to be impeccable with your word and your Mm self-awareness. Those are the two things that like are really important because if you just say blah, 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 you know, like I hate this side, I hate that side. Okay. But let's, let's be logical. Let's hear truths. Let's, delve deeper into subjects and find out what's real and what's not real. Right. It's that it's, it's finding the facts, right? Obviously, but it's also compassion. Where is this person coming from? What, what made them think this way? Right. You know, what experiences has, have they had in their life? Um, you know, a, a, a example that I heard was like someone, if you're being criticized by someone, you know, they're, they're probably not doing more than you. They're probably doing less than you. Yeah. And so wh- somebody who's running all, all pistons, doesn't have time to criticize. Right. Them. If someone who's like really, you know, striving for their goal, they don't have time to hate on someone else or do something. You know, I think, again, Gary V, um, you know, loving his haters, really having compassion for them, yeah. which is like kind of like, um, okay, it's crazy Jesus. to think, right, cr- <laughs> right, crazy to think about. And it's obviously hard, like, art hard to, to do. Um, but I think if we can really tap into that compassion, that it can really change our life. Um, you know, and it's not saying it's easy, but um, again, it's it's difficult to do in this in this landscape, given you know everyone having an opinion, and um, it, it's very challenging. But I think if you push yourself to really empathize with that with that person, it can make all the difference. I agree. Empathy is key. Um, it's even more than compassion, I think, because empathize you're really putting yourself in that person's shoes you know and really trying to feel what they're feeling and understand them that way um well i think that we should do 
a podcast once a month and have it be like a book club thing. I'd love to, yeah. I'd love to. Okay. I, I'm really trying to read more and um, I got to go back to DC and we're moving apartments. So um, a lot of my books are there and I'll be sure to bring a few back. And yeah. um, once I'm done with this one, I'll let you know. Uh, yeah, I want to borrow it. Yeah, no doubt. And um, thanks for having me on again. Appreciate it. Oh my goodness, George. Thank you so much for coming on. I love talking to you and I'm sure we'll do it again soon. No doubt. Thank you so much. All right, everyone, if you liked what you hear, go to iTunes, rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. Thank you, everyone. Get the book, Everything is Fucked, a book about hope. Peace.